Do you know it's really important that uh, you recognize that what we see right now is all a product of what you can't see. <laughs> the whole world is governed by a reality you cannot see. God will open your eyes to it every now and then. It's kind of cool. But if, we'll probably talk about this more tonight, but if you live your life according to what you can see, feel, or think, you're going to always live far below whatever God intended for you. And uh, anyway, it's really good to be here tonight. Uh, I wasn't supposed to be here tonight, but God knew. You know, I just work here. But I didn't tell them this. I, when I met them last month, the Lord told me, you're, you're going to go to their church. I said, well, you're going to have to do that because I'm kind of full. I'll go wherever you want me to go, but I'm kind of full right now. And, you know, I don't invite myself places. That'd be weird. But, and then, uh, just out of nowhere, I got a conference that was scheduled, I don't know, seven months out, got postponed. Actually, not postponed, it's canceled. In, in charismatic circles, they use, like, religious terms to talk about their lack of mismanagement. They go, the Lord's leading this a different way. Okay. You know, we, we spiritualize our dysfunction as charismatics. The Lord's leading us a different way. Okay. <laughs> Where did the Lord lead you in the first place? But that's a different subject. But anyway, so, and then, you know, I heard they wanted me to come. I said, well, I got this open. If you want me to come, I'll be there. So here I am. You never know. I think it's funny. It's funny, right? When you, when you surrender your life to the Lord where he takes you, it's one great adventure. Some of you are afraid to really give everything, but I'm telling you, your greatest life is hidden on daily surrender. It just really is, you know? And great thing too, you don't have to take care of yourself when you're in Christ. You are not created to take care of yourself. And um, every problem is taken care of, even the, even the ones that you put yourself in. It's a really good life, really good news. Uh, real quick, um, we have a resource table back there. I love what Joseph says to Pharaoh. He stands in front of Pharaoh after having this dream. He's got this dream that's, according to Scripture at least, as much as you can tell, it's defining his whole life. And it's completely impossible unless God does it, you know. His brothers are unimpressed. His dad's like, are we really going to rule you, you know. And he stands in front of Pharaoh, and, 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 and Pharaoh says to him, I heard you interpret dreams. And he goes, no, 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 I, only God interprets dreams. He goes, but tell me your dream. And then he interprets his dream. So what did he do? He became the voice of God to a man. And that's the picture of what we're called to do. You stand, if you're in Christ, you stand between God and man. And the only voice that they'll ever hear from God is your voice. And so you have to learn how to hear the voice of God for yourself and how to hear the voice of God for other people. Because it's in that voice. It's really fascinating that Joseph's dream doesn't get fulfilled until he fulfills someone else's purpose. It's fascinating stuff. Serving the world, right? And the goal is never to be famous, but if you'll do what God tells you, you'll probably become very distinguished in what God's called you to do. 
In fact, I, I've never talked to anyone. They're like, yeah, the Lord spoke to me. He said, I'm going to be mediocre at what he's called me to do. It's going to be like, he's going to be right in the middle. And some days I'm going to work really hard. Other days I'm not going to work so hard. But I'm, you know, I'm going to be a middle class guy. There's no such thing as middle class in the kingdom of God. It's not like he gave you an insignificant task. And um, anyway, so it's called uh, Prophetic Clinic. The whole, the fr- I think there's three, no, there's two CDs in there. First part lays the biblical foundation for prophetic ministry. And then uh, second part's like an activation. Another series back there uh, called Survey in the Life of David. We're going to talk about David a little bit tonight. But if you want the extended version, I can, you can bring me home with you. I can talk to you on the way to work and wherever else you go. And then, uh, I know some of you have read this, but because uh, I know some of you in the room, but I wrote this about four years ago. It's called Creation Reborn. And um, I just described the book as this. What God desires to do in individuals, he wants to do in cities, regions, and nations. And he really believes the earth is his. And so if the earth is his and you belong to him, everything you're supposed to touch is supposed to look like him. And uh, so God, uh, the Lord spoke to me about two years ago and he said, just because it hasn't been done yet doesn't mean my command to disciple nations has changed. And if you'll read, God is not only going to judge individuals, he's going to judge nations. And we will be held responsible for what we were supposed to bring to our nation. By the way, don't believe this, this humanistic thing that sneaks into the body of Christ that God doesn't care about nations and stuff. According to Paul in Acts, God is the one who creates um, uh, the, the lineage and the line of nations and cultures and all that stuff. It's not wrong to be proud to be an American. Now, if I have to choose allegiances... Of course, so is the kingdom of God. But I am proud to be an American. I am. I am. This is a, a country, certainly not without faults, but this is a country that has created the greatest wealth that has ever existed in the world, and at least 65% of what goes around, uh, on around the world is financed by Americans. Why? Because this thing called capitalism. It gets real quiet when you say that. <laughs> but you can, you can love Jesus and stay a Bernie voter, or you can love Jesus and learn what the Bible says. I prefer you not stay ignorant. All right. That usually gets stirred up. <laughs> All right. Um, put this down, too. Pastor Mike, it's good to see you. Um, the Lord gave me a very specific word for you doing worship. And this season and the door to this season that you're about to enter in, it's a door that the Lord's unlocking for you. And it's not just you. The Lord specifically highlighted both you and your wife. You're going to walk through it together, and you're going to be the rock and sock connection for the purposes of God. And this kind of stop off, I know that you had at this church for a season, it was part of the plan of God because God put something in you in that season. 
but the Lord is going to launch you far and wide in the things of God. And I believe you're in a three-year window. The Lord says, don't grow anxious because he's going to take his time with you and he's going to connect you with like-minded people in the purposes of God. And the Lord says, also get diligent writing that book now in this season because it's part of the purpose of God. But the Lord is going to teach you in this next season how to flow in the things of God together because in agreement will define this next season of where you go. And the word of the Lord is dream really, really big because it's way beyond what, what your senses can gather in this season. And he's, he's just told you just a glimpse of it, but he's going to open the realm of dreams to you as never before. That's a good word. It should be encouraging, right? If it's the kingdom of God. You know, even when he points out a deficit, I, I used to beat myself up. Then I just realized he's trying to help me not be dumb. Yeah, I know it's good. I, I, I used to just don't fight being ignorant, you know? Just found that. Were you the one who was on the stage? It's a blonde-haired girl. No, was, yeah, that girl. You're going to end, you have a really prophetic gift. And uh, I know there was more than one blonde, but it was you I was thinking of. Yeah, it's you, right in the back there. There's no one else there. It's just you. Yeah, it's you, right there. Yeah. Yeah. She's trying what? She's trying to hide. Can't hide from the Holy Ghost. I grew up classic Pentecostal, so they told you all sorts of bad things about you when in the middle of church. But, because uh, my parents weren't my friends. They were my parents. That's why I am, I am, that's why I'm so dignified now. But, uh, there's a really strong prophetic gift on you. There's songs on the inside of you. And the Lord is releasing a key to you in the spirit to unlock that gifting inside of you. You have a really deep hunger for the supernatural. And the Lord is going to cause you to be in environments that you have not been in to put inside of you. It's going to unlock the purpose of God inside of you. And you got healing on your hands. And there's a, uh, I believe, it, it's not going to stop in this season, but there's like a three-month window of dreams as never before. I just saw, I was ministering to her, and I just saw, like, the Lord just drop right on you. And the fire of God is coming upon you. There's a baptism of fire God's releasing to you for encounter, for healing, and also for wisdom and understanding. You're at a crossroads in the purpose of your life, and there's a, there's a very distinct understanding the Lord wants you to have of his purpose and it will lead you into great, great fruitfulness, and it'll bring, it'll declare the end from the beginning and unlock a dream that's in your heart. He's very pleased with you too. So. All right. All right. Thank you, Lord. Why don't we just lift our hands? Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for everything you want to do. We honor you, God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We say that you are Lord over all. You're Lord over this meeting. Thank you for the angel of the Lord that's here. Thank you that this is Bethel, this is the house of God, this is the gate of heaven. And so, Lord, do what only heaven can do in this room. We welcome the lightnings of heaven to this room, God. Whatever you want to do, God, you're just welcome to do. Lord, I need your help. Fill me with your spirit. Put your words in my mouth. I ask that you would be glorified. Lord, Open up the word to us. Let the spirit of wisdom and revelation just rest upon this word. 
And Father, you commanded us to pray for all those in authority. So we pray for our president tonight. Divine protection and wisdom and understanding, God. We break every witchcraft assault against that high office. We pray for our senators. We pray for our Congress. Father, and we just declare, let the kingdom of God reign in this nation above political affiliation. And thank you, Lord, that you're going to expose, God, corruption, evil, every evil work, and that you'll restore this land to righteousness in Jesus' name. Lord, I ask for the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ tonight. Without you, I can't do anything, but with you, I can do all things. So thank you that everything's possible in this room. I bless every person here to hear correctly, to honor your word, and to grab what they're supposed to grab tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to preface uh, tonight, my water go. I had my water over here. I know. Oh, there it is. Excuse me, water. I want to preface tonight uh, what the Lord, I felt like the Lord put on my heart to share with this. I believe that this is the greatest time to be alive. I don't, I don't say that because I need something to say. I don't like hype. I don't like exaggeration. But it's, it's literally like the greatest time to be alive in human history. The things that the Lord is doing around the nations of the earth are, are beyond significant for our time. And it doesn't mean, excuse me, it doesn't mean we don't have any challenges. It just means that really I, I, I believe that the prophets of old long to live in this generation, especially since uh, the turn of the century with the modern day Pentecostal movement, what God is doing and what God is advancing in the nations of the earth is extremely significant. So you are privileged to live during this time. You really are. And... Um, I believe that uh, the Lord is trying to teach the body of Christ uh, how to actually not only receive what God is doing in a generation, which is really important, little feedback there, uh, but also advance the purposes of God as never before. I'm convinced of this the longer I walk this thing out. The world system is not impressed with a religious system that is not significant to their purpose, not significant to relevant things in the earth, and just kind of meets once a week on a Sunday. They're not impressed with that. Like, I know, I know we as church leaders sometimes, oh, yeah, you know, we had 5,000. They're not impressed with that. What, what is impressive is the ability to actually bring heaven to earth on a consistent basis and glorify the name of Jesus in everything that we do. Now, when I say that, I also recognize this, that there is a need in this hour for really bold people and uh, really uh, people who know how to stand for truth. One of the things I've learned is this, that if someone is ever going to approach me to do something immoral or incorrect, I've already lost the battle. What do I mean by that? I want what I believe to, to be so represented that no one would ever approach me and go, hey, would you ever do this? No. 
I want it to be, if they, they don't even ask that question, that guy is not interested. We know where he's coming from. I want to submit to you that the world system and the people of the world system, and I realize that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but they are increasingly very bold about what they believe. And the goal of the enemy in this season is they don't care if you believe certain things. They just don't want you to talk about it. That's the goal of, of a lot of these things happening right now in America. Like, uh, you know, they know you probably won't ever agree with them about certain issues. Just don't talk about it. And just don't ever talk about the Lord in the workplace. And, and I, I'm not one of these, I, I don't, I'm not suggesting to you bring your Bible to work, hit them over the head with the Bible, but I'm saying there is a climate being created in our culture where they don't care if you have a belief system as long as that belief system doesn't affect them. But they want their belief system to affect you. And because the church has been largely irrelevant in America, it's just happened. <laughs> The church was trying to fly away, and the world was going, let's disciple the nation. That wasn't the goal of my message, but I got there. So I believe that the Lord is looking for warriors in this season, people who know the ways of God, people who know how to hear the voice of God, advance the kingdom of God, be bold. And the reason I told the other side about that is, you can be the most loving, greatest representation of Jesus, but the truth is you will still find persecution and controversy wherever you go because the gospel is a dividing line between darkness and light. There's no such thing. You, know, you can't compromise certain things as a believer. You just can't. It's, it's, it's not possible. I know we, we're trying to, but you, you, you just can't do those things. Anyway, it's true anyway. So I want to look at a little bit tonight from the life of David. And uh, David is obviously this unique figure in, in, in biblical history, the man after God's own heart. And he's one of the few people in scripture that you can read basically from one end of his life to another, 1 Samuel into 2 Samuel. You can read most of his life. Chronicles does talk about him. But, and he's also one of the few people in, in few biblical characters that you almost have from one end of his life to another. Long plane rides are good for me because I can read First and 2 Samuel. And uh, David is mentioned uh, 58 uh, New Testament references to David. And uh, the often repeated uh, title given to Jesus is the son of David. That's fascinating stuff. I don't even understand that fully, but one thing I'm convinced of is this, that God is not, uh, is not afraid to identify with weak humanity. He is drawn to weak people. The God who has no equals, like, opens his world to you and I. That's a good God. Paul states that Jesus is descended from David according to the flesh, and Jesus himself is recorded by John in Revelation or Revelations, if you're real Pentecostal. I am the root and the offspring 
of David. So David has this obvious, unique place in history. Uh, Acts 13 is, is, uh, is one of my favorite scriptures. I was meditating on it during worship, and it says this about David. When David had served the purposes of God for his generation, then he died. That's a, that's a good saying. That's what I was saying a minute ago. You have an obligation to serve the purposes of God for your generation. Then he died. What's really interesting there, too, is God doesn't bring up his failure. Like, yeah, he, he served the purposes of God. He had that little fair thing, killed the guy, and then he died. Seems like when you make the right turn in repentance, God doesn't remember it anymore. He's got this amazing ability to not remember your bad choices. Do you know if you've ever asked God to forgive you for something? I mean, not like half forgive you, but like really take responsibility for it. He doesn't remember it. So if, you're, if it's ever brought up again, it's witchcraft. You actually are meditating with witchcraft. You're meditating on something that doesn't exist in the heart of God for you. Really, really, really important. Because a lot of people spend a lot of their time meditating on stuff that happened yesterday, five years ago, two years ago. And God's going, I don't remember that. He dealt with it. Now, there might still be some fruit that you have to deal with that, but there's a verse for that too. I'm working all things according to my certain good, even your poor mistakes. And God is not a religious spirit. What does that mean? He's not going, ah, you got this right, you got this right, and then you got this wrong, so we're going to put you in the back of the line, go ahead and greet people. You were, you're on the ministry team, but now you're greeting people. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. David also, fascinating thing about David, David is this prophet, priest, and king, and David actually prophetically sees into the New Testament. That's why it's called the tabernacle of David. He sees a time where you wouldn't need the sacrifice of bulls and goats, and he sets up this tent thing, and he pays people to worship and pray 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And when they did that, when they put God first, they, they became a, a, this renaissance period, in, 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 part of the renaissance period in Israel's history. Fascinating stuff. Put God first. He'll do some stuff in your life. And seven subsequent kings would go on to institute this type of worship. And every time they did, they always won military victory. You don't think you got time to worship? You might want to rethink that one. So 1 Samuel 16, if you want to talk about David's life, we'll look a little bit about it tonight. If you want to talk about David's life, you have to talk about the prophet uh, Samuel. Because Samuel plays an exceedingly important role in the life of uh, David. Samuel, even as an Old Testament prophet, is still one of the greatest prophetic ministries that ever walked the face of the earth. First Samuel 3, it says that God let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. Pretty good. When, when, when Samuel was speaking for God, they knew they could cash that check. Just as a pause... 
Paul says, if you think that the glory of the old covenant was something, get ready for the glory that's available in the new. There's coming a company, and they're already in the earth. They've already started function of prophetic people who they'll speak one thing in the morning. In the afternoon, it will happen. Happen in the old. It's going to happen in this next season. So when they knew when Samuel was speaking for God, it wasn't he had some pizza, that wasn't he had some cheesecake factory. When Samuel was speaking for God, it, God was going to do something. So that he is literally the voice of God and the consciousness of a nation. What's really even more interesting about Samuel is he's not just functioning in one realm. He functions in multiple spheres of society. He functions as a judge. He calls in two kings. He has politically, like, he's got the voice of God in multiple areas. What is that? A picture of God in the earth. 1 Samuel 16, verse 1. No, we won't go to verse 1. We'll go to verse 4 for the sake of time. 1 Samuel 16, verse 4. And Samuel did what the Lord said and went to Bethlehem, and the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said to him, do you come peaceably? Uh, We just give you the background to that because I think it's important. So they're asking him, uh, verse 5, and he said, peaceably I've come to sacrifice sanctify yourselves and come with me to sacrifice. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and he invited them to sacrifice. So they're asking him the question like, hey, if he's got a word of judgment, make sure you got the state farm insurance policy in line because it's gonna happen. But he tells him, he said, I've come for something peaceably and I've come to uh, sacrifice. Verse six, so it was when they came, they looked at Eliab and, and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before me. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or his physical stature because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as a man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Just as a minor point there that you could probably teach on for the whole night is this. Samuel is really, really interesting here is You have the voice of God in the earth who is going, this has got to be the one. Always keep a childlike heart. You can never assume that you know what God is up to in your life. It's, there's a tendency when you begin to walk with God to think you somehow got a few things figured out. But if you're really walking with God, what you realize is the more you know, the less you really know. And he will lead you in unusual ways. I want to suggest to you that probably everyone else in the room thought Eliab was the chosen one. And he is operating in a New Testament principle there that Jesus had. Sevenfold function, spirit of God, Isaiah 11. He will not judge by the sight of his eyes but he will judge by what he hears. I just tell people, I don't care how good it looks. I don't care who told you it was the right thing. I don't care how much money they're offering you. What has God said? Because often we still have developing areas, me, not you. I know everyone's kind of doing really good here, but we have these developing areas and often the enemy will introduce us to to something in an area that hasn't been completely, let's say this, surrendered, and it will entice you in an area, 
And he will use that enticement for you to enter into something that God never intended for your life. You don't get many amens for that, but it's still true. Many times people have come to me like, oh, we, we got this job over. It's awesome. And, and, and you can find biblical reasons. Oh, I'm spitting now. Now I'm doing good. You can find biblical reasons for why you should do it. Oh, you know, I get this raise. The kids can be homeschooled. My wife doesn't need to work. We can buy a bigger house. You know, you'll find all the reasons. And I go, have you, have you prayed about this? Have you talked to God about this? Oh, the, the, the contract is a lot bigger. I get paid double. Have you talked to God about this? Listen to the Lord. I'm telling you, listen to the Lord. It will save you. He's, he's really good. Like, he doesn't want to withhold anything from you. He wants no heartache in your life. Now, he'll help you if you miss it. But he doesn't want to spend five years working on an area of your life that he never wanted you to walk in. So Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. He said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by. He said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made his seven sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. And Samuel said to Jesse, are all the young men here? Thank God that somebody's trying to listen to the voice of God here. Then he said, there remains yet the youngest. There he is keeping sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send him and bring them here for he will not sit down till he comes. So we went and brought him in. Now he was ready with bright eyes and good looking. Now, in my Bible, it says like Abner. I don't know if it says that in your Bible. It might be just my translation that I have. It's a very unique translation of the word. And the Lord said, arise and anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers, and the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. I want to point to you just for a moment, uh, verses 8 through 10, because you'll see here that his own father is not volunteering him to stand in front of the prophet of the Lord. Really, really interesting part of this story. So his own father, this would be like the government of the United States coming and going, hey, we got a really important task for one of your children. Now, I have said this before, but because I've thought about this in relation to the story. I don't have any children, but if I have children one day, I could see myself like running into the grocery store and forgetting I had the kid with me because it's been so long since I haven't. Like, oh man, the kid got to run back in the car and grab him, you know? So, you know, so I could, I could see myself forgetting the kid in the car for a few minutes. I could. What I can't see myself is when I have a kid and someone going, hey, how many kids do you have? Oh, I, I, I don't, I'm not sure. Like, you know. And Jesse is not volunteering his own son to show up at this very special moment. He brings all the other brothers in. And I would say, this is how important it is that we have people in the earth who know the voice of God. Because if Samuel is moving on assumption, he goes, ah, just bring one in front of us. It's got to be one of them, God. Because his dad's not volunteering him. There's a reason, and over my years of understanding this, 
Some scholars and many commentators believe the reason he is not brought in front of the prophet is this. He's an illegitimate son of Jesse. And because he's an illegitimate son, he has no rights to his father's inheritance. And he's got to live outside the house. It's very interesting. Isn't it interesting? As great as David was, David has his own issues in that area. See, you don't deal with certain things. The next generation will have to. So the prophet of the Lord goes, is there anyone else? And this is a picture of what God does for individuals. God finds individuals regardless of their background, regardless of how they came into the earth, regardless of all the dysfunction. He goes, I'm finding one right here and I'm gonna anoint him I'm going to put kingly power inside of him, and he's the one called for a specific purpose. It's what God did for every person in Christ. That no matter what your background was, no matter what dysfunction you walked through, your mom, I, I, I'm a, I had great parents, but I meet people, they don't even know who their father was, they don't know who their mom was, their dad never told them they love them, all this stuff, they're poor, whatever, whatever it is you come into the kingdom of God with, with all your stuff, God finds you and he puts everything that he is in the earth, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they fully invest in you. And I love this. It says the Spirit of God came upon them. What's the picture? It's a New Testament picture of salvation. Oh, excuse me, Old Testament picture of New Testament salvation. The Spirit of God comes upon him and he comes upon him for a very specific purpose. So, One of the first characteristics of warriors is this, understanding identity. You have to live your life from a foundation of identity. And you'll see how this plays out in David's life. You must understand the position that God has given you. God has elevated every person in this room and he has given you the power to be everything that God has ever called you to be. It's a really good system. He goes, David, I'm calling you king, but here's the thing, I'm putting all the resources of heaven inside of you for you to become king. It's like taking a test and having all the answers before you start the test. Yeah. Here's the other thing. That's, uh, one of the great lines that uh, Miles Monroe ever left the earth with, he says, no one comes to the earth without a purpose. That's a good word right there. And this is really, really important, too, if we're talking about relating to the world, because the world is looking for a purpose, because everyone's been created for purpose. And what our job is to do is, first of all, live out our purpose, not looking for another church. Purpose, meet the human need. That's the reason I said the world is not looking for another church. They're not looking for another service, but they're looking for purpose. And within the context of of the body of Christ, hopefully they find their purpose. But if they don't find it in the body of Christ, they'll look for it elsewhere. We are really guilty, and I'm working on myself changing it, but trying to meet the needs of a world who is not looking for that need to be met. So, verse 13, I'll read it again. The Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. Notice that 
everything that God had called David to be in the earth is inside of him the moment Samuel anoints him. The moment you got born again, everything that God had called you to do when you walked the earth, before the foundation of the earth, it's on the inside of you right now. I live in the South, so it's in there right now. But here's the other part about it. Just because he is anointed to be king does not mean he is king the very next day. But the potential to be a king is on the inside of him. Really, really important. David does not walk away from that anointing ceremony and go, well, God said it, so it's just going to happen. He had to cooperate with the purpose of God in line with him becoming a king. This is also really important. You must learn to think, this is another characteristic of warrior, we must learn to think in accordance to where God wants to take us, not where we're living right now. Because you will never be able to live beyond the place of your thinking. This is a huge part of our ability to relate to God. I used to ask God for certain things, and I realized that I was asking God for certain things that I hadn't sufficiently managed to receive an increase. Part of your life is learning to manage well. So, a lot of people I know, I got a call for ministry. I got to grab my call. They're not going to be the greatest apostle. Awesome. I believe in you. Let's start with you getting up on time. Because world name apostles wake up before 11 o'clock. So sometimes it could be as simple as that. Uh, others, if, if you know part of the ability of God that he wants to give you is great increase in the area of finances, then what do you need to do? Begin to think like you live in that place. Managing is a huge part of your walk with God. Verse 17, uh, 1 Samuel 17. It's really interesting. We know it's probably not the next day, but the story of David and Goliath comes almost immediately after the anointing of David. There are there will be obstacles along the way to the purpose of God. But here's the beautiful thing. Every obstacle that you were ever face in life, God before the foundation of the world had a solution. You should have said amen to that. I don't care what you're walking through right now. God has a solution. I've never talked to God and him go, ah, Abner, you're stuck with that one. I just, just figure it out on your own. Every time I talk to her, let me help you with that. I got a solution for that. Oh, my solution is you repenting of this. Oh, let's start here. I need you to adjust here. Oh, the reason you're not seeing my hand in that area of your life is because you're trying to do it in your own strength. Oh, uh, yeah, I need to adjust you there, and I'm going to bring you over there, but I need to change the inside of you. Another key part of a warrior is Warriors learn how to live from their belief system. 1 Samuel 17. Now the Philistines gathered their armies together to battle and were gathered at Sukkot, which belongs to Judah. And they camped between Sukkot and Ahazai and Ephraim and Damah. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered and they camped in the valley of Elah and drew up in battle army against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on one mountain on one side, and Israel stood on mountain on the other side with a valley between them. 
I want you to stop right there. The Philistines are uncircumcised people. What you'll see here is that God had already told them in the law that no uncircumcised foe could stand in front of them. So victory was already theirs. Victory was already there, but there was opposition, and there was a man called Goliath, who you read here is a champion. The reason he's called a champion is because he never lost. They, they fought to a death then. So there is, there is a, th this guy is big, he's never lost the battle, and he's going to challenge them. 1 Samuel 17, verse 4. And a champion went out from the camp of the Philistines, whose name was Goliath, who was, whose height was six feet cubits in span. He had a bronze helmet on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. I'm not going uh, to read the whole thing, but you will read verses 4 through 9 describe how, all the characteristics of the Philistine. This is really, really important. I believe that there's a reason that they're describing how all the characteristics of how awesome he is. And it's because of this. If you look simply through your intellect at the challenges that will stay at the mountains that are in front of you, you will never be able to defeat them if you look at them from an intellectual dimension. Your walk with God is not intellectual. I'm sorry. God likes your mind, but he wants your mind renewed. And where God wants to take you, you will, you, you will absolutely need dependence upon the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Don't think like this. Many believers do. Oh, that's really big. I need God here, but I got this area handled. I got this area handled my life. I'm doing pretty good here. What you need to live from is from this position. He read part of it this morning. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. What is poor in spirit? I need you in every area of my life. Amen. To live the life that God intends you to live, you will need absolute dependence upon God for it. Love your neighbors. God, you don't even like them. I need your help. You ain't got to live with them. I got to sit next to this guy for the next three hours. He smells God. Love him. It's super, you need supernatural intervention for that. You do. Some people are looking at me like, I, I'm sorry. I don't naturally love certain people. And here's what he does. This Goliath begins to speak. Am I not, I'm picking it up in verse 8. Am I not a Philistines and you servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. Then when, all, when Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and were greatly afraid. So let's stop. There's a reason I, I, I emphasize the fact that God had already told them no uncircumcised foe will stand in front of them. Because this uncircumcised Philistine is standing in front of him and he is speaking. Two different dimensions you'll hear from in the earth today. You'll hear the voice of the enemy and you will hear the voice of God. The, the one that predominates your thinking, the one that you receive, is the one that will dominate your behavior. No demilitarized zone. You can't, 
you can't sit around and, you know, listen to gossip and listen, watch all this crud on TV and what, what all this stuff and expect to manifest correct behavior because your spirit is meant to be educated. So here's what's interesting. Defeated foe, but they're listening to his voice and so it paralyzes their behavior. You have to learn how to think properly. A key area of believers is this, Philippians 2. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who did not consider it to, to be equal with God. What is that? When he came to earth, he's fully God, fully man. But he chooses to live as a man in right relationship with God. That's why he goes, I can only do what I see my father doing in heaven. But stop right there. This is really interesting stuff. Because before he goes to the cross, he goes, not my will or your will. When he's being tempted, he goes, I can, I can bring all these angels come down here and this whole thing ends, which tells you this. The man had a free will. Jesus, the son of man, had a free will. But then he, he comes to this posture of this. I can only do what I see my father doing in heaven. Though I have a free will, I am a man on assignment. I refuse to allow anything contrary to the mission of God to enter my mind and my heart. So I'm perfectly expressing the will of God. The beauty of Jesus. The longer I look at Jesus, I go, oh God, you are so beautiful. You are perfectly beautiful. That's why he can identify with your weaknesses. He was tempted in every way, but he never sinned. Everything you see in Jesus was what God intended for the original man. He intended Adam to be sinless. He intended Adam to only listen to his voice. He intended Adam to only speak his word. Every time you see Jesus, you see what God intends for your life. Big verse here. looking at the wrong place. Second Corinthians 10, for the weapons, verse four, of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God, in God. You can do everything God tells you to do. Don't believe you can't do it. You got enough people telling you what you can't do. But mighty for the pulling down of strongholds, verse five, really, really big verse if you want to walk as a warrior. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. This is something that God cannot do for you. And being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. So how does this work? Driving down the road. Going, I've had this before. You're going to die. You're going to die on this trip. In the name of Jesus. You've got to speak back to it. I'm telling you. You're like, well, that's not how I am. We'll change. <laughs> well, that's not how we are in our family. You and a new family. You got royal blood on the inside of you. This is never going to work, Abner. You're going to completely bankrupt the ministry. So you start talking to that thing. And then two minutes later, sometimes you got to talk back to it again. 
I was having bad dreams. Not all the time. The Lord just told me, start reading the word before you go to bed. It's the last thing I want you to read before you go to bed. Have to learn that. Have to learn. That's why you'll see here in the life of David, the word of God is so important. Into that word. Listen to that word. Meditate on that word. God cannot trust me to watch Fox or CNN anymore. I'm just being honest. I know what your vice is. Mine is I can't watch the media because it's affecting my thinking incorrectly. Back to the story. Everybody still with me? Yes. Oh, good. He said, you just be led of the Lord, so I will. Don't worry. We start at five, though, so we got some time. Verse 16, and the Philistine drew near and presented himself for 40 days, morning and evening. He is continuing to do this because it's working. He hasn't really changed his tactics. For many, for many believers, all the enemy's got to do is just talk intimidation, frustration. That's all he's got to do because he knows if they believe his words, it stops them inoperably. A sign of a religious spirit is passivity. Oh, well, you know, just, just gonna, you know, we kind of like the way things are, you know, just kind of leave it like that. It's a religious spirit. Because a religious spirit loves to agree with things about God, but never want to manifest his realities in the earth. Oh, we believe in healing. Well, when do you pray for the sick? We want people to hear the voice of God. Are you teaching them? Faith is not agreeing with something. Faith is putting your complete trust in that reality in God and then go, God, let me do that. A lot of people agree that Jesus died on the cross. A lot of people agree that he rose on the third day. They're not born again. Because they've never gone, I put my complete life trust in that reality. Gets real quiet when you say that. But it's true. Faith is not agreeing with certain realities. Faith is taking you out of yourself and putting your... How do you know you're trusting in something? You stake your whole life on it. Some people still have backup plans if the God thing doesn't work. Woo! Verse 17, then Jesse said to his son David, take now for your brothers an ephah of dried grain and these 10 loaves and run to your brothers at the camp and carry these 10 cheeses to the captain of their thousand and see how their brothers fare. Bring back news of them. And Saul, and when all the men of Israel were fighting in the valley of Elah, fighting with the Philistines. This is a beautiful part of the story. The dad who doesn't bring his son to the anointing ceremony is a dad now commanding his son to go do something. Another characteristic warrior. You always are a servant. Here's the other thing. He's not immature or he's not like some people I've run into. He doesn't pray the iPhone recording to his dad and go, dad, I don't know if you heard Sammy the prophet. I got the, I'm going to be king. I ain't got time for all that. It's not in my gift set. And 
he is honoring a father who did not honor him. Ooh, it's beautiful. God, for whatever reason, I'm not in charge, but even with a father who can't see what he's called to do, he is honoring an authority structure. This is a key part of our day. I've seen people. They don't do very well at honoring people who dishonor them. I forgive them, but I get nothing for them. Oh, really? I've learned this. If you really want to walk in the ministry of Jesus, you'll be taken advantage of. You'll be abused. They will say things that are not true about you. It's amazing to me. Some people, like, they want these big platforms and they get mad when, like, one person in their family says something about them. <coughs> you get a big platform, a lot of people don't like you. What are you going to do then? Call, call them all up and defend yourself? Just a thought. But this is where the wubba meets the road. The ability to forgive and honor. And if he doesn't obey his father, he doesn't step into a key part of his destiny. It's quiet when you say stuff like this. I'm hesitating because I really don't want to share this, but I don't necessarily tell stories about this. Uh, about 12 years ago, I was working for a man, and I always call it my vacation in this particular city. I was on staff for him, but I was also traveling. It's my first few years in ministry. And... Um, it didn't, the situation did not end up like we thought, and it ended very quickly, left, ended in about 11 months, and he was, he, I was working for him, he's my boss, and over the years, I have tried my very hardest to connect with him, to ask him for forgiveness if I did anything that was wrong or out of fire, but there never seemed to be peace in the matter. And a few months ago, see, when you walk with the Lord, he'll speak to you to help you bring adjustment. And I, I didn't have anything against this man. I knew I'd forgiven him. But the Lord speaks to me. He said, I want you to write a letter to this man and just focus on everything good that you remember about him. And also send them a nice offering. I did. A few weeks later, he sent me a very nice letter. And for the first time, I didn't write it for this, but I wrote it because I want every relationship that I've ever had to be at peace. That's what the Bible teaches. As much as it depends on you, live at peace with all men. And I know sometimes you can't make people talk or anything. My purpose in writing him the letter was not for him to ever send me anything back. 
but he released a blessing over my life for the first time in 12 years. That's a win for the kingdom of God. That's a win for my relationships. That's a win for peace in the earth. Because that man is not my enemy. He's a fellow laborer in the kingdom of God. Really important. We can't do these things halfway in the kingdom of God. I've seen people, they make mistakes. They, they cause great damage with relationships. They go, well, I ask God to forgive me. Well, you got you to kind of make things right as much as you can. Ask people to forgive you. Tell them why you're asking for their forgiveness. You will never regret humbling yourself before other people. i give you another one. I don't know why I'm saying this. I don't like talking about, I, because it involves me. I'll, I'll do anything the Lord asked me to do, but I felt it in the room. Maybe five years ago, I'm in my office praying one day. You know, you, you think you're doing pretty good until the Lord starts talking. <laughs> no, we straight. No, he goes, we're not straight. He brings back a relationship I had when I was in graduate school. He says, I want you to call this man, and I want you to ask his forgiveness. I said, why? He goes, you weren't a very good roommate. I said, no, 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 I was a good roommate. Apparently, you don't agree. Only one person's opinion matters about you. I'm serious. So being the obedient servant of the Lord, I took about seven days to do it. I had his phone number. I hadn't talked to him in years. He's an unbeliever. Called him up. I said, Mike, how you doing? Good. Oh, it's, it's good to hear your voice. I said, Mike, calling you because I'm a follower of Jesus. And he told me that I wasn't a very good representation of Jesus to you when we lived together. He goes, no, man, you were one of the best roommates I have. I said, I thought the same thing. Jesus did not agree. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. I didn't say that. And I remember when I hung up that phone call, I felt a switch in the spirit in the area of relationships for me. See, whether you know it or not, our inability to align with God in certain areas actually gives the enemy a legal place in that area in our life. So what's the key point of a warrior? Learn to forgive quickly. And you know what? Ha! My water's falling down. Sometimes you really need God's help to forgive. And when you forgive, what you're saying, you're not saying what that person did to you is right. You're just freeing your soul and your mind of that responsibility. Remember one person I had to forgive hurt really bad. You know what? I said the prayer too. I said it right after it happened. About three weeks later, the Lord goes, he goes, call that person up. I said, I don't, I don't want, I can't do that. He said, the reason you can't do it is you haven't forgiven them. I said, no, no. I said the prayer. You, you were there. 
He goes, no. So you know what I did? I laid on the floor next week, every morning. I said, this hurts too bad. But I give you permission to take everything in my heart that is relevant to this area of my life. You just go in, you can take it all out. A week later, I called that person. You know, they never told me they were sorry, but that's okay. Because I forgave them. With God's help. You know, it's really interesting too. This whole forgiveness thing, the enemy will even use when you were a child. I talk to adults. They still remember what a fifth grade gym teacher did to them. They still remember what a coach did to them. And it hurt in that moment. What it does, the enemy loves this. He loves to go, that was painful. And he causes you to have a judgment against that person. Here's the thing. With the same way you judge someone is the same way judgment has now turned around you. He loves that stuff. He's a legalist. He knows some of the word better than a lot of believers do. The Holy Spirit will help you though. He'll go, you need to forgive this person. 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 Oh, back there, that person when you were unsaved and you manipulated him to do anything, you need to forgive you need to call them and ask for forgiveness. I'm not suggesting you start digging up things, but I am suggesting is, Lord, you got anything to tell me about that? That wasn't in the notes. So David rose early and left the sheep with the keeper and took the things and went as Jesse has commanded. Quick obedience, another characteristic of a warrior. And he came to the camp as the army was going out to fight, shouting for battle. That's really funny because there's no battle taking place. <laughs> Scripture's funny. It really is. He said a battle's taking place. There's no battle. There's just one guy screaming. You know, the other guy's going, I ain't fighting him. Am I, I mean, some of you looking at, you Okay. Anyway, for Israel had drawn up battle army against battle, and David left the supplies in the hand of the supply keeper and ran to the army and greeted his brothers. Then as he talked with them, there was a champion, the Philistine Goliath by name, coming up from the armies of the Philistine, and he spoke according to the same words. So David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled for him and were dreadfully afraid. So the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who has come up Surely he has come up to defy Israel, and it shall be that the man who kills him, the king will enrich with great, great riches, will give him his daughter and give his father's house exemptions from taxes in Israel. Then David spoke to the men and said, what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? This is really interesting stuff. Watch what's happening here. David, again, God's already told them, you can defeat this guy. They got the word of God that tells them. Notice too, there is no, David, you got it. Go defeat Goliath. What, what, what is, he's got two things he's trading on here. Number one, Sammy told them he's going to be king. Guess who can't die? He's not king yet. 
What is he doing? He's trading on his prophetic identity. I'm called to be king, but I also have the written word of God that says no uncircumcised foe will stand in front of me. And here's the other thing. There's a crisis in my nation, and I'm going to be the one who's going to solve the problem. This is what's interesting. The guys who are trained for battle, our language, they've gone to Bible school, they've been anointed, apostle, prophet, evangelist, teacher, they're ordained, they got oil, they go to the conferences, they are trained for this moment, but they are not doing anything in that moment. And here's even more interesting. They give David information that he does not have. They have understanding that he does not have. It does not profit them to know certain things. It profits him because he chooses to use it to encourage himself and go, I'm going to defeat him. What do they tell him? Get the king's daughter really good because she's a good-looking girl. Second thing is, you, your whole family will get exempt from taxes, which is really good because he, Saul, likes to tax more than Bernie. So this is really good. And he asked twice. Why does he ask twice? He asks twice because he is building his faith according to what God has said, not the giant standing in front of him. He is not governed by five senses. He's governed by what God has said. And he is using what God has said about this situation to define how he's going to view the situation. His belief system is defining the world that he lives in. But all these guys could have done it. All of them had the same help. All of them had the same skills. Only one man is doing it. I want to suggest to you that every person in this room has an equal measure of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Every person in here has the words of life, the greatest book that has ever been written, the bestseller ever in, in book history. It's not just a book. It is a training manual. It is your constitution that gives you the authority to do everything that God's called you to do. But unless you, you cling to that reality, how do you cling to that? This is where it gets fun. Because I've realized I was one step short of being real stupid when I was in the world. Seriously. You have to come in as a child. Here's the other part. God's discipleship plan is to teach you how to think in every area of your life. But the challenge is, if you have been successful according to the world system in an area, sometimes we have difficulty receiving instruction from God. Sometimes what you know can actually hinder you from where God wants to take you. Look at the rich young ruler. He comes to Jesus and he goes, what do I got to do to inherit eternal life? And this is fascinating. G goes, all, he lists all the commandments. And he goes, I've done all those. Really fascinating stuff. And Jesus is going, no, 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 you're a liar. I, I know you are. He goes, you've done well. And I believe the reason he's doing well is because he is obeying the commandments. But somewhere along the line in his thinking, he's starting to get some stuff because he's obeying God. He got some fruit to his belief system. And now there's an area of his heart that is attached to those things. He's going, God's going, ah, man, the boy is putting his affections on those things. God's not against things. He's against things having you. 
If he's against things, then he wouldn't told us he's the God who gives us the power to prosper. He's the God who gives you the power to get wealth. So what does he do? He challenges, God challenges the area of the affections of his heart. But what he knew became a hindrance to where God wanted to take him. And what's fascinating is this. He's known as an unknown rich young ruler. But I believe if he follows Jesus in that moment, we remember him forever. So what do we got to do? I've learned that when we read the word of God, when we hear teaching, instruction, wisdom, understanding, and the word of God, it says, is sharper than any two-edged sword. When God speaks or when God gives us instruction through teaching and all sorts of different ways he instructs us, it will often expose areas in our heart or our thinking that are not in line with the word of God. So at that point, you have a choice. But here's the thing. I can receive something. Go, oh, yes. I got it. Got to think that way. Got it. Thank you, God, for help. I, I'll just give you one area of my life. 20 years ago, I read John 14, 12. I said, if I believe, I can do the works of Jesus and greater works. God, I believe. I remember I, remember I put the Bible up. I said, you said this. I believe this is true. So you show me how to live this thing out from this day forward. So what does he do? You make, you have to make a decisive decision as God brings instruction that you're going to live from the truth of what he said. But one thing I've learned is the world system is, he is, the enemy loves to train us how to just focus on what we see, react to the world around us, react to this person, this person defended me, this person. So when we, we can't just hear it once, we got to hear it over and over and over and over and over. So I, I would listen. I'd listen to teaching on, on people who did miracles. I'd watch, I'd watch people who operated miracles. Why? Because I wanted to get that in my mind. And I still haven't arrived, but I know my thinking's about changing when the first thing I think, what has God said about this? What is God's opinion on this? What has God said? And where does he want to take me in this area? And this is where it gets really fun. I'm serious. This is just the joy of walking with the Lord. Because he reveals to you truth in degrees. And as you steward that truth, he gives you greater understanding of how to walk it out. When I first started doing it, I just well, pray for him. I'm going to pray for this person. Pray for this person. And now... Different things, sorry, words of knowledge and how healing happens this way and all this stuff. That's just one area of my life. But you never arrive at it, but you grow in it as you live from that place. So what's really, really important is that you have to make a decisive decision, first of all, that the kingdom of God is first. Really big too. Don't try God. Don't try him. God never told you to try something. Oh, we trying this? No, no, no. You have to make a decisive decision. And from that moment forward, you're saying, this is the truth. And what's really important here is you'll have to learn how to resist propaganda. You have to learn how to resist people telling you, well, I tried that, that didn't work. Well, this, that, all that stuff. You have to learn how to resist all that stuff. Because here's what's about to happen. 
David will we'll land the plane here. Have you got something out of this? I, don't, I ended up in a lot of places I didn't think I was going to go. But what happens? When David begins to encourage himself in the Lord, who challenges him? His own brother. That's, that's really hurtful, huh? You would think the brother would go, that's awesome. I'm totally afraid. Go ahead and do it. But what does he do? The voice, excuse me, the voice of the enemy actually comes through his brother. His brother's probably not a bad guy, but insecurity, all this stuff comes out. And what does he basically tell him? He goes, you're just the guy who takes care of sheep. What do you think you're doing? What's interesting is David turns around and goes, is there not a cost? I'm telling you, if you want to be a warrior, you have to be really bold for God. I mean, and here's the other thing. Just because David decides to fight Goliath, Goliath doesn't shut up. Nothing changes about Goliath until he dies. He talks the whole time. Saul hears of it. He shows up. Saul, he goes, you can't do this. He tells him what he can't do. But here's the other interesting. Again, you see God's authority system functioning here. A guy who basically God has fired, he, David does not go into battle until he receives authorization from an evil king. Fascinating stuff. It's really fascinating. And David says to him, he goes, when I was a sheep, here's the other part about a warrior. God never wastes any part of your life. I remember, I, I was talking to the Lord. It was maybe like eight, nine years ago. I was telling the Lord, you know when you think you're being spiritual, but you need a spanking? You're wearing diapers and you're the only one who doesn't know. I was telling, God, you told me this. You told me this was going to happen. This hasn't happened. You told me this. You told me this. You know. And he goes, I, and remember, it's really, really clear. I never waste anyone's time. People waste my time. You must focus on what I put in front of you right now and steward it well. Here you have, this is funny stuff, man. A king who's going to be remembered forever. The Messiah is going to be in his lineage and he is training to be king as a shepherd boy. He's not at Harvard, he's not at Dartmouth, and he sure as heck ain't at Ohio State. Just having fun with some of you. He went to Kent State, okay? I have a lot of good friends from Ohio, so that's why I joke with him. And he goes, your servant has killed the lion and the bear. What is he? He's a man who has a testimony. It's really difficult to follow God that you don't know. Another characteristic of a warrior, have a fellowship with God. No one can have a relationship with God for you. Don't be satisfied with feeding tube Christianity. You know what feeding tube is? The most you know of God is through somebody else's teaching. You hear secondhand, that's good. I listen to teaching all the time. 
But I, I had this, when I was 18 years old, I remember, I said, God, I give you my life. And I will give all of my days to know you. Anything you want me to do, I, but I want to know you. I don't want to just know about you. I don't want to know what somebody else said. I don't want to know Bible stories. I want to know you. Got to be very intentional. The Holy Spirit's my best friend. It's, it really is. I don't want to say that jokingly. I laid down for a few minutes this afternoon. And I could hear him. He's, he's kind of like, he was brooding over the earth. He was brooding over my bed this afternoon. It's like, come on, let's talk. Sometimes, and it's just, it's beautiful. I'm going to have this my whole life. Like, you know, it's really fascinating. Some people are believing God to go to heaven, but they don't want to do what he says down here. But when they get to heaven, he's in charge of everything. You're going to have some real issues when you get to heaven. You're going to go do this, and what are you going to do? I don't, I'm not feeling it, the Lord. Charismatics are going to say that. Baptists are going to say we don't believe in that. He goes, I've killed the lion and the bear. He's a man with a testimony. Then he says, this uncircumcised Philistine won't stand in front of me. What's he doing? He's calling upon the word of God. And he's saying, you'll notice that from that moment forward, David continually talks about the defeat of Goliath. You got to say some stuff before it happens. This is a big principle that governs the earth. Huge. You cannot negate the power of words. Like people are like, I don't believe all that word stuff. Doesn't matter. You are living under the influence of words right now. Now, here's the good news if you're in the kingdom of God. You can choose the words that define the world that you live in. You can, you can fight it all you want, say it's not biblical. You are living under the influence of words right now. So the whole time, David... This uncircumcised Philistine. But here's the thing. Even when he says it, Goliath doesn't, Goliath doesn't go, oh, you got me there, David. Now, nothing changes until they engage in battle. So here's another important thing if you're going to be a warrior. As a warrior, you got to start in faith, stand in faith, and then finish in faith. But between standing in faith, that's the really big one. Because a lot of people go, I know God told me to do this. But then, that middle period where that challenge comes, nothing's changing. It's looking bad. You told me I'm going to be prosperous. I'm getting poorer as the day goes on. That middle place is where he loves to get your confession to agree with your circumstances. But between standing in faith and finishing in faith, this is why fellowship with God is so important. He will give you often unusual revelation that will bring your victory. What's the unusual revelation here? 
this, this doesn't make any sense. So if, if, you, if you like logic and reasoning, it's going to be, you, you, you just got to get retrained. This, I mean, this is fun stuff. The greatest thing about faith is you don't need to be smart to do it. No, I'm serious. It makes a lot of very educated people upset. Another thing about faith. Faith sets God's power on your behalf. You ain't got to do it on your own. All you got to do is believe some things and say them. Who shows up for battle with stones? Makes no sense. Except if you know your God. Standing in faith, he's talking the whole time. He is talking. I'm going to, and Goliath is talking the whole time. Goliath gets offended. Who do you think you are? You coming to me? I'm going to kill you, little boy. He's a teenager facing a giant. Most people think he's not any older than 16 years old. Fascinating stuff. And he's talking the whole time. I'm good. And he's, I love it because he says, this is going to glorify God. I'm going to do this in God's strength. I'll tell you about a dream and I will land the plane. I figured if you came on a Sunday night, you didn't come from a sermonette. I think maybe nine years ago, probably some of you heard me tell this story. I had a dream that helped define certain things of how I related to God. In the dream, Jesus comes to me in this dream and he says to me, Abner, don't you know you can have what you say? And in the dream, I begin to respond to him. I said, yes, Lord, you know that's how we started the ministry and you told us I was going to go around the world and no one was invited, all these things. And we just trusted your word and we declared your word. Jesus did not seem very impressed with what my explanation was. It's kind of funny, me trying to explain something to Jesus. But he comes to me a second time. He said, and he's a little more stern. He's never cruel or mean, but he can be stern sometimes. No, don't you know you can have what you say? No problem. I'm a servant leader. I'll explain it to him again if he didn't get it the first time. <laughs> I begin to explain to Jesus again in the dream. Third time he comes to me. Apparently he didn't get it. This time he's even more stern, and it was like I could see his eyes of thunder going like through my whole body. Keep in mind, too, when you dream things, especially God encounters, they're just as relevant as anything that happens in everyday life. Solomon's encounter with God was counted in the earth. Right, spirit, the unseen realm, applies to the seen realm. He goes, no, don't you know you can have what you say? Dream ended. I didn't get out my dream interpretation book. I didn't pray in tongues for 10 minutes asking, Lord, what you think he's saying? I knew what he was saying. And it changed the way I approached some things. This is what Jesus said. There's a story in verse 12, I encourage you to read it, Mark 11, where it says, Jesus spoke to a fig tree. Really fascinating. Little minor story in between about Jesus overturning the temple. Very minor. Pick up the story in verse 15. So they came, no, excuse me, verse 20. Now in the morning as they passed by, they saw a fig tree dried up from the roots, and Peter, remembering, said, Rabbi, look, 
the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. Notice too, Jesus spoke to things and what he said to them came to pass. Key, key thing, if you are, if you are looking, and I, I do this all the time, anytime you see certain areas of your life or things that make you become unsettled or you become impatient or you're having trouble doing this or walking in the, in the fruits of the spirit, all this stuff, begin to say that you walk into them. I say it almost every morning. Father, thank you that I have self-control today. Thank you that there's nothing that comes against, and, and I could have totally blown it the day before. What am I doing? I'm calling things be not as though they are because they will be. Words, defining your world. I've seen people go, I'm going to die in this hospital room, and they do die in that hospital room. I've seen people go, my child is acting like the devil, and that child keeps acting like the devil. Look, I encourage couples to do this. Look at any area of your life. Look at where there's a deficiency. Any area. Your children aren't serving the Lord. Finances, this, that. You're angry. You don't like each other. Put the problem in one column. Constantly do it. In the other column, put what God has said about it. And every day, you get up and you go, this is what you said about this. My son may be, I got, I got a brother right now. He's working on his testimony. I told him, it's just your problem. You were born in the wrong family, buddy. You're gonna, I pray every day. Lord, make him miserable till he serves you. As for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. I got a, I got, you got the blessing of the Lord is going to come upon my whole family. You, you were brought into, he's adopted. You were brought into our family to serve the Lord. This is your destiny. I tell him what the Lord told me. This is your destiny. This is what God's called you to. I don't want the enemy to hurt him or anything like that. But Lord, let everything fail in his life till he turns to you. I don't care. Don't, no, protection, all that stuff. But get him, God. Lord, let him encounter people at work, at Target, wherever he goes, let him encounter people. When he tries to use drugs, let him throw up, God. One area here, it could be you personally. Maybe every time you talk to your mama, she gets you going. Just go, I lose my temper when I talk to my mom. I lose my temper when I talk to my boss. Go, God, thank you for righteousness, peace, joy, self-control in every relationship I have. Thank you, Lord, that you've set a guard over my mouth. And watch what God will do. Might not change the next day. Might not change. You'll see it. You'll see it one by one. You'll see the promise of the Lord come to pass. You make a mistake. You, you, make, you make a mistake, just go, Father, forgive me. God, I ask for forgiveness. I take responsibility for that. I, don't, don't, don't beat yourself up for three weeks. Don't do all that. That's, that's just religious nonsense. Do you know pride is the inability to accept the righteousness of God? Part of forgiveness is, what does he say? He cleanses us from all unrighteousness. If he cleanses you from all unrighteousness, guess what's not left in your life? Unrighteousness. You're righteous. Finish here. Have faith in God. No, okay, excuse me. Peter, remember, it said, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. So Jesus answered him, have faith in God or have God's faith. 
For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, notice he didn't say, beg the mountain to move. Notice he didn't say, if it be God, if it be your will, Lord. Here's what's really important. Um, I don't know why, I don't know how this came into the body of Christ, but I'm on a mission to change it. When you relate to God, it is not like going to the Holy Spirit casino. He hears everything. You, I, I've had prayers answered eight, nine, ten years later that I forgot I prayed. I go, why are you doing it now? He goes, I hear everything you said. Oh, and by the way, you were too immature to take it then. Thank you. Appreciate that. When you talk to God, he hears everything you say. You don't have to worry if he wants to intervene. You don't have to worry if God wants to get your kids off drugs. You don't have to worry if God wants to prosper. You don't have to worry if God wants you healed. They, he's already told you what he thinks about it. I'm telling you, we can't waste any time asking God for things he told us he wants to give us. Should have said amen. Be removed and cast into the sea. There's not doubt in his heart. Now, doubt doesn't mean you won't have thoughts. It's not going to work, all that. So that's not what doubt means. It just means it overrides your doubt. Notice David. There's not one moment in there. I'm sure in his heart he's going, man, that's a really big guy. But his confession stays in line with what God has said. He's fully convinced. Believes those things he says. Believes those things he said. This makes my, my dream Scriptural. He will have, he will have, he will have, he will have whatever, I, whatever he says. You will have whatever you say. 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 There are things that seem, I thought, you know, I thought the Lord done lost his mind when he told me some of the things he told me. About eight, nine years ago, the Lord told me I was on this ride with him. Again, you know, you think you're doing good. He goes, why is it you don't believe half of what I tell you? Excuse me? I need you to start agreeing with certain things I've told you because there's a lot of things I'd like to do in, in your life, but you're not coming into agreement with it. You know, I've noticed walking with the Lord, in the holiness of God, he will withhold things that he will withhold things that he wants to give you, but if you don't ask him for it, he cannot give you something you don't desire or seek. Why? Why would I give you a car if you don't want a car? But here's the other side of that. He knows what you need, but then he says ask. It's an interesting God. Really, I'm serious. Why? There's something that he enjoys about our asking. Because it's our recognition of dependency upon him. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have. Now, I was really mystified by that last part. Because I said, how do you believe you've received it if you don't see it yet? Then I finally got it. Took me a while. Took about nine years to get it. 
but it'll help you. I finally understood at least this part of what God was trying to tell me. I can believe I've received it because I've said it. David throws the stone at Goliath. One stone stops the intimidation. Down goes Goliath. Goliath is still, you know, Goliath is still prophesying. He's like, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to throw you in the cart. Stone goes down. Here's what I love. He doesn't go to Goliath. I got to come back here. Make sure you guys aren't sleeping on me. He doesn't go, nice, Goliath. I know your mama hurt you and you got some issues. Why am I saying that? I've learned you can't defeat the world system if there's areas, affections of your heart that still like certain things in this world. God is trying to burn within us undivided hearts. It's not that we ever, like, arrive. That's why you got to stay like a child. But he guides us into all truth. So, you know, just like I told you that story. He goes, you know what's going to help you make this right? You write that letter. That aligns that area of your life. And when we align, it gets us into this rhythm of the kingdom system. And the long, long, see, that's the beautiful thing about Walking with God. You don't have to participate in this world system. You don't have to be under it. You don't have to be under the yoke of it. Everything you need of is provided in God. It just says, cast all your burden upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. And that is our job. Our job is to represent, though we're on this earth, represent a different way of living that invites the world into the God that we serve. And it's got the ability to bring supernatural solutions to a world that's hurting and in need. I, I will finish with this. I love the pattern of Jesus because Peter and John, they're fishermen. They haven't caught any fish. Luke 5. Notice, you know, Jesus doesn't become a theologian in front of him. He doesn't go, hey, I was born in Bethlehem. I fulfill all the prophecies. Come follow me. What does he do? He meets a natural need that they had. What was the need? Need fish. He's, and he demonstrates the superior world of his kingdom. This is two different kingdoms. There's so much in these verses. It's two different kingdoms being represented. He goes, Master, we've toiled all night. It's really, you know, I, I know there is a sacrifice. Listen, there is a sacrifice in serving the Lord. But the sacrifice that he called to give us, he gives us the power to do. You know what's really hard? Working for the devil. I'm serious. That's really hard. I don't know how people make it. Like, I would be on Prozac, have like eight life coaches. Like, I'd want to give up. Life is hard. Life is hard enough with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 
But people, ah, oh, is that so hard following God? No, you know what's hard? Alimony from three husbands or wives. Waking up to someone you don't even know, wondering if you got a disease. Trying to figure out a way to make your business work. That's hard. How are you going to pay your bill? Like, that's hard stuff. That's hard. Two kingdoms. They have fished all night in the same lake. He goes, throw your nets to the other side. Same lake. And I talk to fishermen. You don't fish in the morning. Same lake, wrong timing. I'm telling you, you really want to follow God, you're going to do strange things. I'm serious. I've had times where I've gone to buy something and the Lord will say to me, ask them how much a good price is. I said, I'm grafted into the government. I don't pay retail. He goes, no, ask them. I said, what do you think a good price is? Oh, I think this would be a Christ. And the Lord will say, pay double. I've never seen anyone do that. I said, you don't know who my God is. I bought something one time. I said, where, where do people get this money from? I said, ma'am, I serve a God who owns everything. Yeah, there's more where that came from. Same lake, one word, what happened? The word of God changed that situation. Throw your nets to the other side. It's filled with fish. He should have listened. He only threw one net. This is also really important. A carpenter is telling a fisherman what to do. telling you, sometimes what we know can be a hindrance to where God wants to take us. More nets. He never says anything about Peter, Peter's sin. That's the beauty of God. He sees right where you're at. I love that. Like, I was so ignorant. I thought when God called me, it, I thought it was because I did something. And he didn't, I'm so glad when he called me, he didn't tell me how dysfunctional I was. No, I'm serious. Like he, like, he points out the dysfunction over time. Throw your nets to the other side. But what did he say before that? He said, I've toiled all night. Picture of the world system. The world system is meant to put pressure, weight, worry, confusion, all this stuff. Gets the nets, more than enough fish. Here's the beauty of it. Not only does Peter get enough fish, all his partners get fish. People are supposed to benefit from the words from heaven that you get. Peter recognizes that he's in the presence of a powerful man. He goes, get away from me, I'm a sinful man. He goes, no, 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 no. Peter, from this day forward, follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. What's it a picture of? It's a picture of he answers the question Peter needed answered because he wasn't asking who Jesus, but... When he came into contact with Jesus, he got Peter to the question he should be asking, what is the purpose of my life? And from that moment forward, the apostle of the lamb follows Jesus, makes some mistakes along the way. But I don't think that's the guy that Jesus saw. The guy that Jesus sees is the guy who's going to be crucified upside down while they rape his wife for the cause of the gospel. That's the guy that Jesus saw. Receive this word tonight.